0: Okay, well, welcome everybody to our evening First Family Church service, and as we continue with the London Baptist uh, Confession, the Catechism, 1689 version, tonight we come to the Eighth Commandment, Thou shalt not steal. So, in an effort to cover this topic tonight, I hope to proceed as follows. First, I'd like to read the questions, the responses, the supporting scripture passages that are referenced in the Catechism, and this will help to get us to at least a 10,000-foot view of what we will cover tonight. Second, we'll be identifying various forms of stealing. Some will be quite obvious, while others may not be quite so obvious. I've passed out A note sheet if you do not have one you may find a couple of extra ones that have been distributed you don't have one either if somebody would like to make copies Um, third we'll consider the common thread in the various forms uh, of identified forms of stealing, and then fourth, and finally, we'll consider what we might do personally to steer clear of any forms of stealing. So, questions, responses, and scripture. Question 78 poses the question, what is the eighth commandment? And from Exodus 20, verse 15, we read simply, thou shalt not steal. Question 79 continues, Along on the topic of stealing with the query, what is required in the Eighth Commandment? This might be considered the positive side of the approach as we uh, are going to read how we ought to act or react when this subject enters our lives. The answer to this question is the Eighth Commandment requireth the lawful procuring and furthering The wealth and outward estate of ourselves and others. Reference passages for this question include Genesis 30:30 For you had little before I came, and it has increased abundantly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? It's a curious addition when we're thinking about stealing and with this reference passage referring to not squandering an inheritance or squandering your own possessions uh, through sinful living that has actually entered by virtue of this question into the category of stealing first timothy 5 8 Likewise, is going to uh, say, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And in another version, it will say is worse than an infidel. Leviticus 25.35, if your brother becomes poor and cannot maintain himself with you, you shall support him as though he were a stranger and a sojourner, and he shall live with you. This is referring to a situation of oppression. It does not mean we should not evaluate uh, and consider the circumstances of a person that is in poverty, but by virtue of the word oppression being in there, oppression is sinful. Deuteronomy 22, verses 1 to 4, You shall not see your brother's ox or sheep go astray and ignore them. You shall take them back to your brother. And if he does not live near you and you do not know who he is, uh, you shall bring it home to your house and it shall stay with you until your brother seeks it. Then you shall restore it to him. And you shall do the same with his donkey or with his garment or with any lost thing of your brother's, which he loses. And you find you may not ignore it. You shall not see your brother's donkey or his ox fallen down by the way and ignore them you shall help him to lift them up again. The key phrase there is you shall not ignore them. You shall not ignore the situation. Uh, I do a lot of work in refineries. We have other people here, likewise, that uh, work in refineries uh, and in the arena of safety. They say when you see an unsafe circumstance or an unsafe activity, you own it. You own it because you saw it. You cannot ignore it. You cannot walk away from it. Similarly, we cannot walk away from somebody's distress. Exodus 23 verses 4 to 5. If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, and you, you shall bring it back to him. If you see the donkey of one who hates you, Lying down under its burden, you shall refrain from leaving him with it. You shall rescue it with him. You have to overcome your hatred. Genesis 47 is going to talk about Joseph um, as he was assigned the prime minister position under Pharaoh. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan in exchange for the grain that they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. And it continues on during this famine. So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, for for all the Egyptians sold their fields. Because the famine was severe on them, the land became Pharaoh's. And finally, for tonight, question 80 asks, what is forbidden in the Eighth Commandment? And the answer to this question is the Eighth Commandment, "...forbiddeth whatsoever doth or may unjustly hinder our own or our neighbor's wealth or outward estate." So regarding the hindering of our own wealth uh, or outward estate, the passages that would apply to that again would be 1 Timothy 5.8, which reads again, "...but if anyone does not provide for his relatives... And especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And Proverbs 28:19, "Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty." Reference passages regarding the unjust hindering of our neighbor's wealth or outward state include Proverbs twenty one seventeen. Whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. The implication here is living a sinful life, a wasteful life, uh, is essentially, effectively, a form of stealing. Proverbs 23, verses 20 to 21. Be not among drunkards, or among gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. Ephesians 4.28, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. And we will talk about work in a few minutes. So, while... Stealing might be defined as taking the property of another and wrongfully, uh, and especially as a habitual or regular practice, or if you define it simply as taking another person's property without their permission. The Catechism examines this commandment not to steal in broader terms. From question 80, we see that one must not unjustly hinder the wealth or outward estates of others. And somewhat curiously, one must not unjustly hinder their own wealth or outward estate as well. This can quickly expand the list of actions that would be considered stealing. And with that said, let's take a look at uh, different types of stealing, some of which are obvious and some not so obvious, I've listed them on the handout. Starting with the obvious, theft. Theft would be taking money or possessions that belong to somebody else without their permission. And that is one of the most obvious forms of stealing. Um, I had an interesting Uh, experience with a, a vending machine when I was I'm gonna say I was well I was in the creative mode so probably 12 and living back in Connecticut there were five families that always got together and one of the fathers of one of the families was a photographer and a a cinematographer, and he was filming a commercial, and he asked a bunch of the kids in these five families to go into the city, New Haven, Connecticut, and he had a studio, and he filmed us as part of a commercial. Well, when we had a break, next room over, there is this vending machine. It cost a quarter to get an O'Henry bar, or a oh, Baby Ruth oh, bar. My gosh. Yeah, that well, well, was a lot of money back then, all right? And I didn't have, I mean, I think I had a quarter. But I was fairly clever. Um, I was starting my career of crime. And I tried something. I, you guys got to stop listening. Um, the front row, anyone under 15. So I was able to put the quarter in. And as I selected the baby Ruth bar, I also pulled down the lever on the coin return. And when I did both, I got my quarterback and I got my candy bar. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, cheating, yeah.
0: So I did it again and I put the quarter in and dun, And I got a second candy bar and I still got my quarterback. And then I said, Hey, you know, David, Steven, come in here. You got to check this out. And I, my friends and, um, I think we ended up with, I think we stopped at 20 candy bars or something. I think that was all that was in the machine of the ones that I liked. Anyway, it seems innocent. It might even sound humorous, but in God's eyes, that was a sin. I was certainly old enough to know what I was doing, and though I was enjoying it, it's not my feeling of victory that God sees, what he sees is sin, and various people, for various reasons, will take something that does not belong to them, and regardless of the reason it 's sin burglary the entering of a building with the intent to commit a crime, so that might be somebody that comes into your house, somebody that breaks into your car that would be a, a car bur- a, well a car bur- burglary where they steal stuff out of your car but it's usually a house or a building and um, it tends to be a, a felony crime obviously the, the entering you know that you're doing something wrong well, so uh, I'm
1: sorry I don't mean to interrupt you but the, uh, the, it's the entering of a building with the intent
0: of commit a crime
1: make, okay,
0: thank you. which would be taking something Robbery would be larceny from the person or presence of another by violence or threat. So now you're stealing something, but you're stealing it off a person and you're threatening their health and well-being. You're creating fear. All right, on to business. Embezzlement. To appropriate something such as property entrusted to one's care, uh, fraudulently to one's own use and this might be somebody that has access to the bank account and they find a way to write checks to themselves if the, the money the property belongs to the company to the business and somebody is embezzling uh, they're basically trying to take the property or the money without that being discovered extortion would be the act or practice of obtaining from a person by force, intimidation, or undue or illegal power, especially money or other property. And blackmail, it's similar. It would be extortion or coercion by threats, but it would be especially a public exposure or criminal prosecution. So now you're threatening somebody's reputation rather than threatening somebody's life, if you will. There's cybercrime, which is new. Uh, this was not on the list 50 years ago. Cheating on tax returns, that's been around since the IRS. And now for the list that, uh, things aren't quite so obvious, stealing time at work. Think about this. You arrive late or you leave early. You take longer than allowable lunch breaks. Play video games when nobody's looking. Um, I'm not quite sure how you do that. I think they all make noise. I have played, possibly never played a video game in my life. Um, Shopping on eBay. Using social media. YouTube. Somebody could spend hours on YouTube. How do I know? I think I've got caught in that do loop. Not at work, but once you start, sometimes it's hard to get off that loop and you're stealing your employer's time. You have a either a written or a verbal contract that you produce work for a certain amount of time and you'll get paid for that time. And when you get paid for that time but you don't put in the work, you're effectively stealing that company's, that business owner's, uh, money, plagiarism, committing literary theft, um, where you're presenting as new and original an idea or product <clears throat> derived from an existing source you 're basically taking somebody's intellectual ideas and claiming them as your own. you benefit off of that, and oftentimes you lessen the benefit of that other person defamation it's an act of communicating false statements about a person that injure the reputation of that person and you think about somebody whose good reputation is their livelihood uh, perhaps uh, an actor or actress and you defame them and suddenly they don't get uh, job offers anymore they don't uh, get casted anywhere you're, you're effectively, you're stealing uh, financially from them, uh, you're also there are other sins involved with that as well. Now oppressing the poor I want to read a passage from Nehemiah where there's an actual example um, of oppressing the poor There are other examples but um, in Nehemiah chapter 5 if you remember um, during the Babylonian captivity uh, the City of Jerusalem was leveled, uh, the walls, the temple everything gone and uh, Nehemiah in exile asked uh, King Artaxerxes if he could return to Jerusalem and rebuild the city and He was given that permission and to make a you know fairly long story short, they got there, they started the building, uh, a lot of people came with him and they got the wall halfway built, but there was a lot of opposition going on with uh, Sam Ballot and Tobiah, if you remember uh, that story. And there was also things going on with the people that were doing the work, and some of them were quite poor, and there was famine, there were problems, and they were getting oppressed by some of the what they call the nobles or officials that were Jewish. And we read in uh, chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. Now there arose a great outcry of the people and their wives against their Jewish brothers. For there were those who said, With our sons and our daughters we are many, so let us uh, get grain that we may eat and keep alive. There were also those who said, We are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our houses to get grain because of the famine. And there were those who said, We have borrowed money for the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards. Now our flesh is as the flesh of our brothers. Our children are as their children. Yet we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters have already been enslaved. (coughs) but it is not in our power to help, for other men have our fields and our vineyards. In verse seven, Nehemiah charges the nobles and the officials of them exacting interest. And whether this is usury, which would be charging an inordinate amount of taxes, uh, or just customary interest charges uh, against the loans, Leviticus 25, verses 36 and 37 prohibits this practice. And we read there in Leviticus 25, If your brother becomes poor and cannot maintain himself with you, you shall support him as though he were a stranger and a sojourner, and he shall live with you. Take no interest from him or profit. There's there's no prohibition to loan money, but there is a prohibition to take interest. Take no interest from him or profit, but fear your God, that your brother may live beside you. You shall not lend him your money at interest, nor give him your food for profit. So, oppressing the poor. And again, that doesn't mean you can't deal properly with the poor in certain ways, but oppression unto itself is sin. And then the final uh, that I've written down as a not-so-obvious would be squandering an inheritance that is to be passed on to your children. So, there are more. If I got around in a uh, think tank, we could easily come up with 30 more types of stealing. But the bottom line is that somebody who is being stolen from they are losing uh, part of their possessions, part of their estate, so to speak. So what's the common thread that we see? There's so so many different forms of stealing. We learn from Catechism Question 1 that God is the first and chiefest being. And a specific effect of the fall of Adam in the Garden of Eden, was that man lost his sight or his purpose for which man was created, and that being to glorify God and enjoy him forever. In 1 Corinthians 6, verses 23 and 24, the Apostle Paul writes, All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but rather the good of his neighbor. I threw in the word rather, it's not in the Bible, but I'm trying to make an emphasis there. Towards the end of this overall message from the Apostle Paul, he writes in verse 31 of the same chapter, chapter 10, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. These different forms of stealing produce the exact opposite and they result from the exact opposite. They do not glorify God. It is exactly the opposite. However, the, the point that we read from 1 Corinthians here is that we are therefore to, uh, to love God and that loving God is the core of all morality and goodness. The opposite is the choice of self as supreme selfishness is the essence of the fall and we place ourselves upon the throne of our lives usurping god's role because we experience the love of money or because we covet or because we envy someone who's more prosperous or because of jealousy because of laziness, because we do not love as we should, we steal. Mark, among others, wrote in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 31, one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Jesus, Which commandment is the most important of all? And this is spelled out also in uh, other Gospels and in Romans as well. Jesus answered, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these and the commandment thou shalt not steal is covered by love if you love the way you should you will not steal and if you don't either you will or you at least may and the temptation is much more difficult to fight off every form of stealing shows a lack of love it shows disregard to others it's selfish it's the opposite of matthew 6:33 but seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness it's a lack of love so there's some concluding thoughts biblical welfare We have welfare in this country. There's welfare in other countries as well. One of the reasons that people steal is because they have not. Why don't they have anything? Why are they in poverty? There's many different reasons. You could become very, very ill and suddenly you're uh, disabled. You could be lazy. You could be slothful. Um, there's a time in my life, just during graduate school, I was fortunate to be able to travel to Egypt and uh, take care of some business over there, graduate studies, working on the High Aswan Dam, and one of the big serendipities was that after the two weeks there, I was allowed to go anywhere in the world I wanted on the way home back to, back to Boston, stop off anywhere, Tokyo, Athens, Paris, and I chose the exciting venue of Abidjan in Ivory Coast and Bamako, Mali in Africa. The reason being, my sister was there in the Peace Corps, and I wanted to see what she was up to, and I spent three weeks with her And she, as I got picked up at the airport, and I'm in the truck with her, we're driving to her uh, little apartment in Abidjan, she kind of went through all the ground rules, everything that's going on. And one of the things she said is, you got to watch your wallet. People steal, steal, steal. They don't have much. And when they see an American, they're thinking there's a lot of money there, and they're going to steal. They didn't have much. They had very, very little. And I, was, I lived in villages where my sister was working, where they had virtually nothing, and they would steal. They didn't murder, and they didn't assault people. <laughs> but theft was a big problem. And what do we do when somebody is in poverty that situation might be a little bit different in that the country itself is not governed in a manner to generate prosperity but it is something that needs to be addressed what would the welfare si- system be well going to the book of ruth if we remember when Ruth told Naomi your God is my God. Um, She followed Naomi to Israel and became a citizen basically of of Israel. She was taken in but she didn't have anything. She was uh, dead broke. What she did was she to Generate food, gleaned the fields. And in Ruth chapter 2, verses 4 to 7, I'll read it. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to this young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman, Ruth who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she continued from early morning until now, except for short rest. So this was a a form of welfare in Israel where the owners of a field would do their reaping and whatever was left over they were not to go out into the field if they dropped stuff out of the bundles of straw of hay they were not to go back and get what they dropped that was to be left for people to glean for people that it didn't have anything so we do want to help people for people that do not have much, for the people that are in poverty, to find a way for them to survive. Rather than oppress oppress the impoverished, find a way to help them. They will need to help themselves as well. But we can find ways for them to be productive, to work, to earn a living. Um, We want to help others. Don't just say, I'll pray for you, but rather give physical or financial help whenever possible. One of the odd things that we see today, it's enforcing the law, and it leads to stealing. We have a law that says, do not steal, it's on the books. And most of us are familiar with the situation in San Francisco where approximately 20 Walgreens have shut their stores down because people were stealing. And the reason that people were stealing is that San Francisco implemented a law that allows people to steal up to $1,000, and it would only be like a parking ticket. It used to be you go to the slammer. And when they reduce it to being a parking ticket, and when people don't show up at court, they may get a slap on the wrist, but, people, but they're not pursued by the law at all. What's the result of this? They're encouraged to steal more and more and more. It's irresponsible on the part of our government, people that are in charge of implementing the law, it's irresponsible not to enforce the law. All it does is it encourages sin. If we're thinking about ourselves, and I I don't mean this in a negative way, but if now instead of looking at somebody else who is in poverty or somebody that is stealing, but if we find ourselves in poverty if we find ourselves tempted to steal what's the solution work a foundation for preventing stealing goes back to the garden of eden when god said to adam in genesis 3:17 to 19 and i'll read it and to adam he said this is where god is doling out the punishment um we see God requiring man to work a cursed ground so that things aren't going to be all roses as they sow and reap. It's going to take work. It's going to take effort. In a fallen world, several good things can be accomplished by this decree from God to work. Number one, that man would feed himself, be responsible. His idle time would be limited, Um, Idle time is the, what is it, uh, the tool of the devil or something like that. that.
2: Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Idle
0: hands are the devil's workshop. And you also, by working, you acquire dignity from being a steward of God's resources and providing for your family. Victims of theft. Victims of theft know the horrible feeling it produces, somebody said, the very act of someone taking what may have been an especially precious gift from a loved one really pierces our hearts, makes us feel vulnerable and unsafe. Um, And I recall a time I was up in Lake Tahoe, came out in the morning, see my car, and... uh, ski racks were opened, and they weren't opened the night before, and my skis were on the car. Well, they weren't on the car anymore, and the violation that I felt, uh, there's many ways to feel violation, and this is one of them, when somebody steals something, it's just my heart sunk, and that is what you impart upon somebody when you steal so there's a tremendous impact, not only on the individuals, but on society as a whole. The theft disturbs societal stability. And the results are feelings of fear and insecurity and possibly a desire for revenge. One has only to look around some third world countries where laws against stealing are ignored. Not just third world countries anymore. And we see how detrimental it is to the population. God's laws are not only moral and spiritual, they are definitely uh, infinitely practical as well. Christians have received tremendous physical and spiritual gifts from God, and we should desire to give back to him all we have when we withhold things that are rightly his, our time and our talents, our possessions and our finances, indeed our very lives, we are in effect stealing from God. This concludes our sermon for this evening, and I'd like to open up the floor to questions. Yes? Well, I don't
3: have questions, but I forgot stories to tell.
0: Uh, let's, let's, let's hear it.
3: Um, OK. When my first was when I was going through my divorce, I was going to college. And:
0: Can, and can everybody I, hear back there? Hmm? I just want to make sure everybody can hear. Oh,
3: okay, I'm talking loud. Yeah, you, I, you're doing pretty good. <laughs> and Anyway, I still have two small kids at home, so I had to go on welfare. So I go down to the welfare office and this lady comes up to me, and she says, you're new here, aren't you? And I said, yeah. She said, you're dressed too nice. I said, what do you mean? I had jeans on, tennis shoes, and a shirt. And she said, no, you wear the rattiest-looking clothes you've got. And if you don't tear some up or something, you know, you've got to look worse than that. And then I thought, oh my goodness. Then she said, do you have a car? I said, yeah. Tell them you don't have a car. You have to take the bus. I thought, what am I doing, you know? I couldn't believe it, you know? They're actually stealing from welfare, telling people that these were people on welfare. Anyway, later on, I didn't do any of that, believe me. (laughs) I couldn't do it. Good. I wasn't making it quite, and I knew I could work a certain amount of hours. I could only earn a certain amount of money and still be on welfare. Mm -hmm. And when I had gone back to the office to talk to somebody about that, well, before that, I said, is there any way I could get a little bit more extra money and he looks at me and says, You got another baby. I said, Are you crazy? I'm single now. I've got two little kids now. I don't want another one. I'm going to school. <laughs> You're crazy. <laughs> I couldn't believe you would tell me that. <laughs> you know? The men that worked there. <laughs> how it, to how I to use the I system. I said, Isn't there another option? And he finally told me, yes, you can work a certain amount of hours and only earn this amount of money. And I said, I'll do that. And I did that. <laughs> so Very good. But, I mean, all my life I've run into things like that. On a bus one time, I heard some young kids talking, boys. And I guess they were going to be graduating or something because one, one of them said... Well, I'm not gonna go go work flipping burgers. I'm gonna do what my mommy and my grandma did. I'm gonna go on welfare. And I got to say, how how is an 18-year-old gonna get on welfare? But somehow they get their way. I don't know how, but I don't want to know. <laughs> anyway, that was. <laughs> My
0: story. <laughs> Sad but true. <laughs> but
3: it, it, it's going on. Well, you know, it
0: is. I appreciate you sharing that. John?
4: Yeah, I was uh, really blessed just by when you quote the person says, uh let him who stole steal a little more than him labor, um, working with his hands and he may have to give to him to right? Um I often get triggered when I hear even the first impression of the poor, you know, I know that's not the context you're using it because as a landlord, we're, we're always getting called evil, slimy, dirty, rotten, thieves, steal from the poor, you do this, you do that. And we're constantly getting tenants who are trying to get us to buy. And COVID, there was a tsunami of rent packages that came across my desk. And I threw them all in the shredder. I said, I'm not filling this out with work, people never work. Like um, she was just saying, there was a lady who's you know, twenty years old. She said, uh, I've got two children, I've never worked a day in my life. What am I supposed to do? I said, go to work. Maybe you like it. You we'll go try it, right? But it just that that mentality of when you're commercing in housing, somehow you're the bad guy. Is charging market rent. It's no different than we walk in the butcher shop. I mean, right now beef prices are through the roof, right? But look at our media. The same thing they say to the oil companies. They slander. Oh, you're charging so much. So you're the problem. And then the next is the butcher. It's this. It's that. Capitalism is being assaulted these days, and it kind of reminds me what the Lord said. You know, about what's being called evil, is good and good as evil. Right. So then even I remember when just the oppression of the poor member when Trump was running, they were like, oh, this guy avoids his taxes. And I'm thinking, that's impossible. When you're you know, real estate, you pay your taxes monthly. If you have a mortgage, everyone who has a house payment knows that. It's called an impound account, right? So it just, you know, that the way that's interpreted or misinterpreted today is so communistic and socialistic. That's,
1: that's what's happening is that the, the people bump, the, the, the puppet masters are pulling the strings to get, you know, we're getting
4: off topic, but. Mm-hmm. No, that's right on topic. I mean, it, I just I spent my entire afternoon arguing with a guy over rent because he, you know, he didn't like some of the work that he was done. So his answer is, I'm not going to pay. And I said, Well, you have heat, you have running water, so state law says you need to pay rent. Well, these bushes were left in my backyard. Okay, I'll get them picked up tomorrow. Where's rent? Oh, you can't ask me for rent. Cooks. It's retaliatory, it's harassment. And so me arguing with this guy, and I'm just thinking, I'm being called evil to come here and collect something this man owes and I'm being called a thief ironically when this guy is the one trying to steal from
0: us right I would argue technically that yes uh, he is stealing from you you have a written contract and if you've met uh, your conditions or you know the the intent uh, that and don't want to get this into a, a legal discussion but mm-hmm. when when you are in a contract and party A does their part and party B needs to pay party A and party B doesn't pay, that is a form of stealing. just amazing how it can be twisted in one way, in a way that's not. So. This would also go for a loan if you borrow money from somebody and you do not pay them back. That would be a form of stealing.
2: I think at a certain point, too, even if there are legal shelters to your stealing, as a Christian, you've got to ask yourself, am I doing what is right in the Lord's eyes? You no, know, even if for instance, Darlene, you said the people at the office were trying to coach you on how to get more money than you really ought to get. in yeah, away with stuff. That's coming from the people that are, you know, sending out the checks. That doesn't make it right, so you have a higher authority than right. whatever legal government structure is above you. You've got the, the Lord Almighty who sets the standard for your ethics and your morality. That doesn't shift and change. So depending on what your government's doing around you, there might be policies that are unfair, like this policy you're talking about in San Francisco, which is essentially handicapping the business owners because it's even happening in our city right now. If you go down to Lowe's or Home Depot, they're not allowed to stop people. They'll go in there and they'll grab handfuls of power tools and run out of the store. And uh, we just recently had a brother fired because he tried to stop a person from stealing things from the store that he worked for. He was let go. So he gets punished for the thievery of, of citizens. But... You know, when a when a brother sees somebody do something wrong, and he says, "I have to stop that person. I gotta I gotta do something about it." Yeah. his authority is higher than the authority of his employer.
0: So, and it'd be along the lines of what John was just saying—that you know, calling good evil and evil good. It's rather amazing that somebody who righteously is trying to stop somebody from stealing, and that person who is stealing actually is sometimes even rewarded for, uh, and by penalties for uh, harassment or for injury. And well, that's, that's kind of another topic going into the, the legal world. However, it is a way to um, put a stop to stealing by enforcing the law, not by ignoring it. Yes, Steven.
5: I just want to. I, I appreciate the fact, like you say, hey, if we get the urge to steal, right, to work. I mean, like, like, like John Ray, you read that is the passage, you know, steal no, still no more, you know, but rather labor, right? So I mean, that is a good thing to like, you know, to teach, you know, like, hey, whenever you get the desire to steal, you know. Because a lot of times, some people do steal for, you know, because they, they have to, right? And, but, you know, a lot of times, I mean, we take stuff that we don't need, and you take, you know. I remember, like you, like you say, with they candy, right? And I remember being young. I grew up next to a shopping center. I mean, we had nothing else to do, but we should work, you know? We had nothing else to do. I mean, we were young, I mean, and that's what we thought was fun. You know,
0: but we should work. and, And this doesn't only apply to somebody who has no work and should find work, but it also applies to people that are working but not working. You're at work, not working. I find that my busiest days, where I just don't even have time to come up for air, it seems like, those are the days I just never need to worry about an idle mind about, um, you know, going downstairs and there's the newspaper on the file cabinet and just reading the sports page or something like that. I don't have time for that. And I love those days. In a, after, When it's over, during the day, it's usually a little tense, but after it's over, I feel, I feel great. And I think that the work and not being idle, there's a tremendous value to that.
2: I wanted to mention a a passage of scripture. You had said uh, something about how the way you prevent theft is by prosecuting theft. And unfortunately, I think that we get mixed up into thinking that we're doing those who are unfortunate in life. They don't have as much advantage as others, or maybe they've fallen on hard times. We do them favor by not enforcing the laws, and we look the other way, like San Francisco is trying to do with that current policy, but in it's Proverbs, it's not good for them, or for society at all. Proverbs uh, chapter 6, verse uh, 30 says, so, people do not despise if he, if he steals to satisfy his appetite when he is hungry, but if he is caught, he will pay sevenfold. He will give all the goods of his house. So, essentially there is... There's not a hatred towards the person who's Correct. in a bad situation. You know, There are some people who steal out of desperation. There is a sense of compassion toward them, but that doesn't mean you sidestep justice as a, as a signal of compassion. You show them compassion, but you also let them know that, listen, if society's gonna stay a place where you wanna be, we've gotta keep these laws in place. And God wasn't wrong to say that there are infractions or penalties. Theft. So we need to keep enforcing those things and, uh, and just having endless compassion. All it does is reinforce sin and right. creates lifelong professional sinners out of you know people who just sinned for a time because there was a need.
0: Right. Clint. Really quickly.
5: Um, you touched on briefly, but one of the ways I'm often guilty is stealing God's glory. You know, I'm going to seek mm. it for myself. So that's one of the things that. I think about it times. not quite so obvious
0: sometimes, but uh, Can you elaborate? I didn't capture the...
5: Stealing God's glory, when I glory for myself.
0: Right.
1: Well, I think what he's saying is when somebody praises him for what he does, is, you know, like, hey man, you're you're, you're smart, man, you've done such a great job. And that one iota moment, and I deal with that, too, when I do massage, is that... Who's the one who truly should get the glory, you know, me or God? Because God's the one who's working through me to heal these people. And when someone gives me, oh, man, you've relieved my pain so much. And I have to remember, you know, for that one iota moment, you're like going, you know, you want to smile about it. (coughs) But at the same time, you go, well, it's really God. Yeah, that's what needs
0: me. And, and, and so, I, so I understand that. I'm, I'm just going to bring up a, a point just regarding the, the catechism answer. The catechism answer, uh, for whatever reason, chose thou shalt not steal to apply to the estate or the wealth of another person. Um, we steal God's glory all the time in our pride. We think that we're doing it all. That. The proverbial wide receiver who catches the 80-yard touchdown pass and then he you know, spikes the ball and starts pointing at me, 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 look how great I am. And it's like, you know what, God, God's the one that gave you that last breath of air and the one before that and the one before that. He's the one that allowed you to not get injured Get a knee injury that would knock you out of football for the rest of your life. Um, it's easy to steal God's glory. I wouldn't apply it to this question, <laughs> but what you say is true. If that makes you feel better, <laughs> yes, yeah, Stephen.
5: I was just going to say now, this is necessarily not in the catechism, but I definitely love the way that God's law and you know just biblical law deals with sin right and we have this this form of restitution kind of like nick was saying uh you know even when someone's poor i mean we got to do restitution we have to otherwise we get these situations where people just steal and there's no consequence but on the on the flip side you know you go into some of these harsh countries like that like with the sharia law and these things where. Stealing, then they chop off your hands right so now there's no possibility of you working I mean unless it's something you can do with enough I mean <laughs> it's really no possibility so now I mean it's, it really didn't fix anything
0: no that's that, that's,
1: that's over enforcing that's, that's, right. that's right. outlandish law, you know, oh, yeah. Sharia law which is not biblical nor even it, they want to claim it's part of the Quran but it's not
0: There's more oddball things than, than that. A woman being raped and she's the one who gets stoned to death. I I don't I don't get any of that, but I think we're no. off topic here. <laughs> anyway. I was gonna yeah. say
4: that um, I know the work thing is difficult. I've had some pretty deep discussions. There's some people who have downtime at work with a to attend to something where people told them, oh, they're stealing if you're on the phone, but they are actually doing their job. Whereas some people are given 20 tasks to do, and if they were on their phone, it would be wrong, right? So I think it varies from job to job. And even, I don't know, maybe because I played football, I'm a little more, I know there's believers that really get into football, such an emotional game, Guy knocks three or four guys over. You know, and starts beating his chest, or you know, doing these things. He may be a believer, you know, but I know that uh, just like combat sports, it's kind of similar. There's so much charge and adrenaline and emotion involved that uh, I don't want to automatically accuse a guy of robbing his More, I know it's a
0: separate. Yeah, sport, I'm, it's not doctrine for me. Uh, it right. just it's it's not unusual for somebody to be over prideful in professional sports. But you know, I have played sports before too, and uh, yeah, you, you can get pretty, pretty pumped up if you're playing at a competitive level. Understand that?
4: Yeah, it's a testosterone, adrenaline <laughs> thing. I mean, even lift weights at the gym. God, God, we get up screaming sometimes. We do a bunch of reps, roaring. People look at us and think that these guys are crazy, or they're just chest thumping, right? But it is, you know, it is a little bit different. I know we got to be careful about that. But the work thing, I guess. I've had some interesting discussions and it even got rebuked from some people.
0: Like,
4: you shouldn't be doing this when you're working. And they're like, well, let me show you what I actually do. And then you see them sitting down, you see that they're doing absolutely nothing or something where their eyes or their focus is supposed to be on something and they can multitask. Like, I'm on the phone all the time when I'm at work, right? But I've probably knocked out seven or eight different tasks in the process. Some people aren't able to do that. Some people are on the phone when they need to be answering phones. I think there's, yeah.
0: there's distinctions is what I'm saying. The, the person that needs to know the most whether or not time is being stolen from an employer is you. Yeah. The, if, if you are an employee or, or something similar to that, you may have an agreement to uh, flex time. Some days you put in six hours, some days you put in nine. There may be an agreement just when your work is done you can go home. Just get it done. they They recognize that some people are like really, really fast, and some people are really, really slow, and we're paying for production, not for warming a chair. So you know if you're doing right or wrong. You know if you are meeting your employer's expectations or not. You know when you're stealing time. You know when you have made up time where you know you had to take a half hour phone call to talk with your parents on the other side of the country because something is up and you work a little bit extra time at the end of the day or on another day or something like that. And uh, we don't want to get legalistic about that, but we certainly should be aware of it, especially if it's habitual.
4: If you don't know, you can ask your boss, right? Say, is this appropriate or is this okay? I mean, that's probably the easiest way to settle it, right? Yep.
0: Yes. I don't know your name. Steven. Steven? Yeah. Another Steven. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> am i saying that that's okay that would be between you and your boss if you are an employee um, it depends on what their expectation is i mean you may be the fastest person around and your boss is gonna just say you know i'm just that's you got your work done and and if your boss approaches you and said that that's okay then that's okay but if your boss is clear expectation is you know what I'm sick and tired of people coming in at 801 when they're supposed to be here at 8 and then people come in at 802 and then it's 805 and next thing you know it's 830 and I want everyone here at 8 I would advise being there at 755 750 you know don't give rise, don't give, don't give rise to your employer being miffed at the way you handle their time, which once they're agreed to pay you for your time, your time is their time. And you don't want to steal it from them. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so, you know, if you if if it's okay with your employer, I, I run into this often where I find myself having to make a phone call with a, a relative or something like that and I just work an extra fifteen minutes and my boss is totally good with that. You know been there 29 years, so I, he, he, re, he knows he knows. how I work, and, and so it's going to be an individual thing. If you're in like a big company, they're not going to be able to be flexible necessarily. If you're in a small company, you may have, everybody may have their own agreement, and it's like, you know, Carol, my wife, she, she has many employees, and some of them, they only work like six hours in a day or 6.23 hours on a day or whatever. It's just, yeah, they get paid the time that they're there. Those
6: lines, too, is we had a circumstance where um, my associate doctor was a little upset with his staff because they were taking time and shopping online for, I think, a pair of glasses or some frames or something, looking at choices, and she brought it up to me because I wasn't there, and I said to her, you know, we get in these stressful situations a lot where we're just having to pull together, everybody's working, Really hard, and I told her if they want to take a few 15 minutes to look at some frames, I'm okay with it. And I actually told them that at the meeting because you just can't hammer, 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 hammer like that all the time. You have to. That's what makes good teamwork. You know, is trusting people to. Uh, you know, they and I see it all the time. You know, when it when it's needed, people work really, really hard. More.
0: So basically, in this case, the boss says, you're not stealing my time because there's additional value to the fact that when the crisis occurs, you rise to the occasion every time. If you were just an average worker and you just said, "Ah, you go figure things out, this is too much for me. You know, it's it's like that person's not going to last. But we have people that are rising to the occasion. We're good with them taking a little bit of time here and there. Don't want to upset the float. That's our situation, our agreement. Again, the smaller the company, the more flexibility there might be, the bigger the company. They may not be like that. You just need to know what the expectation is for you and your position and abide by it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay.
4: That's a wise boss right here. Carol. Brendan? <laughs>
0: <just> 35 years. <laughs> 35 <laughs> years <laughs> I've washed your clothes. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Brendan, yes, sir.
5: So I know earlier you said uh, it's also still if you take something without permission.
0: Right. Take something without permission that you should have gotten permission. I mean, because, you know, you you can take something for two seconds without permission and then you go put it back. Again, we're not going to – we don't want to get into hair splitting. You know when you should not have taken something that you never would have gotten the authorization to – take? Are you thinking about taking something even though you know you're going to bring it back in three days and they'll, you know, they'll never miss it?
5: No, so, I mean, I'll use example today. When I got here for the evening service, we uh, have our coolers up there in the kitchen.
0: A what? The
5: coolers. Coolers,
0: yeah. I'm sorry, I don't have my ears in today.
5: Yeah, we have our coolers in the kitchen. I need an interpreter. <laughs> and uh, it's like the, when you say you got to ask for permission, should I have asked like the pastors, like, hey, are these coolers, am I able to take the drinks out of them? Or am I able to take, because it seems implied that they're left open, you can take them if you want to.
2: So in a situation like that, I yeah. mean, those coolers were out in the open four hours ago. People were taking sodas out of them. And so, I mean, it's kind of a logical inference that you're part of this community. We're not gonna get upset if you're taking a soda or an extra water. If they okay, were left over from our earlier event, you know? Yeah. Some of those things are kind of common. More common sense yeah i think often um, you just have to ask what is my conscious situation like this you know obviously i don't think you felt bad about taking that soda out because you know we're brothers and that's as much your soda as it is ours you know and we're part of this community we don't have a problem with that yeah. but um, you know if you were going into the food pantry closet and somebody left it open and didn't mean to and like Raising the stock, you know? Yeah. At that point, I would expect your conscience to start tingling a little bit because you know that we put stuff out on the counter that people can take, but there's also stuff we're saving for days when we don't get as much donations. So, you know, those know, those are things that the Lord uses the Holy Spirit to read your heart if you're doing something wrong. And, uh, and often when you're a part of a community you have relationships built up with people, you kind of know your boundaries. You know, like the people that work for Carol kind of know their boundaries with Carol. Yeah. She's... She's made it clear what the culture is and what, what's expected of people. So, uh, yeah, hopefully you well, can yeah, I, yourself. <laughs> I figured, like,
5: implied, uh, Do you feel better? You know, you can take it. Like, my work, they always bring, like, pizzas or donuts, but it doesn't happen during my shit. I just come and I see it. So usually it's like, oh, well, it's there, you can take it, but no one told me, hey, you can take those donuts if you want. So, you know, that's what I was wondering about, you know, those situations because I that comment.
1: In those situations, if it's on a table, if it's in a break room, always know it's a free for all. <laughs> that is always a given because they want to get rid of it. So it's like if there's one donut, if there are like three donuts left after the day is over and no one's ate it, it is a free for all. <laughs> take them. <laughs> take them.
5: And I think you also know the culture, right? Like at our job, at my job, right, we have a table where everybody's food is, but we do have this table where it's kind of like the stuff is up there, it's for everybody.
2: But if you were on the job, you wouldn't know that. You don't
5: know that, but then also, but this was a very small thing. But I remember one time I was getting ready to cook breakfast and I set my apple and stuff on that table. Oh. Somebody took my
1: apple.
5: <laughs> 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 you should like there was a bunch of apples, it was just one, and I think it was sitting next to my stuff. But you
1: made a mistake, you know. And,
5: and I didn't get upset, like you said, because he was like, "Oh, it was sitting on the table. I thought it was for everybody." <laughs> but, but you know, I think we have to, like, 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 uh, like Nick said, there are some common sense uh, things that come play in there. But you know, sometimes we make mistakes, like you know, those sort of that earlier. Well, maybe they did empty that bucket and put some sodas in for something else later. You know, but, and then we just grab one and somebody asked you about it, but you know, you didn't really know. I mean, you could, you could offer to give them a soda back, but you know, I, don't, I don't think that a soda would be something so brand. You know, it's like, all right, well, let's, maybe for us, you know, we would know next time. Like with my apple, right? Maybe we have to make it a little more clear that this is not for everybody, you know? <laughs>
1: Mine.
6: <laughs>
5: Years ago, I had a
6: staff member that took cash home with oh, me, thinking, you. "Oh, I I need to go to them. whatever Wait, see, I'm
0: going to yeah. take cash out of petty cash and then bring it back." Do you remember
1: that? Yes, I do. Yeah. Oh, that's a no-no right that there. Was yeah. Cool. Yeah. That was not cool. That was you don't take cash out of work That's enough. considered. Basking. That's considered. It's not extortion. I mean, her intention was to replace it. But you embezzlement, see. right there. That's an <laughs> embezzlement, right there. Anyway. I felt like Carol's comment was really helpful. We had a
4: had an argument with a business partner years ago, or well, a couple of years ago, and uh, you know some of my guys would get bottled water, and just little stuff that they needed like a battery for a flashlight or their power tool. They wanted me to like jump on all that stuff. I'm oh, like, man, I'm not sure tripping on that, man. That's like so heavy. But like Carol, bringing up the money. When I worked in the city. There were guys, we had a charge account at this place called Discount Builder Supply. And I would go through that thing at the end of the month and I would just probably without my blood pressure. So I, here, I would read through it and I would see all these power tools these guys were buying. And then I'd be like, okay, you come put in my storage. And then I'd go back down there and they, they took it back and got a refund. And they didn't even charge my car back, they got cash. And I was like, well, oh. y'all were basically. That was just stealing. At that point, you know, and yeah. so, man, it's hard, you know, when you see it.
0: Kind of so okay. Well, thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, why don't we just close in a word of prayer. <clears throat> Dear Gracious and Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, as always, we are blessed by your presence. We are thankful that uh, you provide your Holy Spirit to indwell us to guide us, to convict us. Uh, Lord, we heard many situations, uh, many examples, and sometimes we do run into gray area. Lord, guide our our actions uh, by your truth. Uh, Allow our our hearts to uh, be guided by your love. That is uh, probably the Uh, most certain way that we will follow your laws that we will follow your commands help us to love one another uh, but more than anything Lord help us to love you uh, because you loved us first and you've given us everything you've given us your all-in-all through the sacrifice of your son Jesus we're blessed uh, to know that you are uh, all knowing, omniscient. You, we're blessed to know that you're all powerful. We're blessed to know that you are sovereign, and we are blessed to experience the peace that surpasses all understanding because of who you are and what you do. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you, everybody. I'm going next, to.